Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Transition a little bit here. I'm telling you, get your tissues ready. Everybody got a tissue box? Those of you, I got a test here. Who, who never cries? You? That's not true. I've seen you, you big baby. That ain't true. You liar. Ryan doesn't cry? Put a tissue box right next to him. And it's not about that. We're not trying to, you know, just stir emotion. But uh, it's just a beautiful story of restoration. Uh, so Jimmy and Sherry Bratcher are awesome. Don't you guys appreciate Jimmy and Sherry? I think this is, is this your fourth time here? I think it is. And he's always got such a good word. You know, I've enjoyed our conversations. Um, I encourage you to pay attention to what he's doing, jimmybratcher.com. We don't have time to go into it, but he's always in prisons. He was telling me just some stories that he had over Christmas um, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas to just make a difference in people on death row and some of the darkest of the dark places he gets into. So personally, when, I, when we bring people in like this, I look at it as these are missionaries that are out there in the world going into places. He played, you know, he's an incredible, phenomenal, accomplished musician, got a lot of his own music. Most of you know that. If you're watching online and you don't know, check out jimmybratcher.com. You're on all the streaming places. But these guys are missionaries that are out there playing in bars, playing in prisons and all the other stuff. Maybe when you first come up, you just give us a little bit of an update. But then also, too, Jessica is with us, their daughter. And I'm just telling you, get ready. Now, I'll also say this, too. Keep your heart open. For those of you that have broken relationships and you would like to see some restoration happen, maybe that seems impossible, just be ready to be inspired and... Um, to, to, to give God all the glory. Amen. So show them a little bit of love as they make their way up here. Hey, see if you can get these, this light on over here too, because it's a little, yeah, anytime it rains. Appreciate you guys. I'm going to pass this one to you, and you can just uh, give us an update. And okay. is she, where's she at? She'll come up. She'll come up. All right, here you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. Good morning, everybody. I hope you all are happy. Even y'all back here in the cheap seats. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't cost any more to sit up here. It's not like a Bon Jovi concert or something. But uh, no, thank you so much. We're honored to be here today with you and to share our life with you. It's, uh, it's such a privilege, you know. Well, a lot of times in church services, we have kind of a facade that we put on. You know, I call it our church face. You know, there's this there's this miraculous piece of property where more transformations happen than any other place on the planet. And it's someplace between where you parked your car and the front door of the church. You know, you can be fighting on the way to church. You know, I would say I'd have one hand on the wheel and one arm in the back seat doing a big daddy smack down on the kids and step out into the zone and super Christian would appear. And so today we're not going to play that game. We're going to, just going to be real and raw. So Clint mentioned there is a card back on the table, has a picture of me, but there's some QR codes on the back. And uh, we would love to stay in touch and uh, to keep you updated on what's going on. Uh, one of the things Clint mentioned is that we do some prison ministry. And um, in December, I was the first outsider to be allowed to go to death row in a particular prison in Kansas. And the first guy that I got to share with was a guy that was nationally known. Uh, he was charged for 10 murders in Kansas, deacon in his church, Sunday school teacher. They called him BTK, bind, torture, kill. And uh, he was the first guy that I got to, to sing to, to give a gift to. And, uh, and so we have those opportunities and we just, you know, they're just doors that are open. Next month we'll be in uh, Mississippi at Parchman Farm. Parchman is a notorious prison there. It's 20,000 acres. It basically, after slavery was abolished, it became a Jim Crow labor camp. There's 4,800 inmates there, and we've been invited to be part of a team that will be there for an entire month. 
And, uh, and so we would just love to stay in touch with you and keep those things happening. But today, I want to share with you one of my notorious stories. My stories are all the same. I can really mess some things up. And, uh, and I have been a failure as a man, as a husband, and as a father. And uh, today we want to share with you a story of how, you know, in, in my, Sherry and I, first of all, let me honor my wife, Sherry. Sherry, why don't you stand up? And If it wasn't for her faith, I wouldn't be here. And, uh, and we wouldn't be able to share our stories with you. But my stories are all the same. But in my religious mind, I assume that the blessings of God on my life started when I received him, which was 46 years ago. And, um, and then forward in my life. But I had no idea that God not being bound by time could reach back into my past to a time where I didn't know, serve, or regard him in any way and do what he does, and that's redeem. And so this story is, uh, we'll start in 1971. I was 17, so I'm 68, so you don't have to sit there and try to do the math, all right? And Sherry says, when I hit 70, I'm going to a new level of cool. And, uh, but I was a selfish, undisciplined, out-of-control 17-year-old and doing everything that I could to hurt everyone that I loved or that loved me. And uh, I was partying with a girl off and on, and one night she came and said, I'm pregnant. And my 17-year-old mind couldn't wrap my, my head around that, so I rejected that information. And uh, I had heard later that she had had a baby, and, uh, and that was the end of that. And so today, that baby, that little girl, is here, and I want you to meet her. Her name's Jessica, and she's my daughter. So shortly after that event, Sherry and I met at, um, it was the first time that this band had ever been in America. Uh, we met at a Black Sabbath concert. And I couldn't tell if she was really that beautiful or if I was hallucinating. <laughs> and uh, shortly after that, we, she got pregnant and we got married. And during that time, and then you all know that, you know, we had... Uh, we divorced at one point, so we wrote this book, Granny Paid for Our Divorce. And because uh, my grandmother actually paid for our divorce, that's how bad it was. But during our first, our first marriage, um, Sherry came to me one night and she said, now, you're not going to have some kids showing up or something, are you? And I said, well, maybe. <laughs> and... Uh, and that was the end of that conversation. And about 10 years later, I was in a restaurant in our hometown. And uh, it was actually about 13 years later. And, uh, and I saw this man that I knew as the girl that I had partied with, dad. And he had these two teenage kids with him. And I saw this little girl across the room. And I knew she's my daughter. And so I, I found a payphone. For those of you uh, that don't know what that is, you'll have to look it up online. <laughs> and uh, I left my phone at Clint's house. I'm completely helpless today. And, uh, and I called Sherry, and I told her, I said, you know, I saw this little girl today, and she's my daughter. And so we began to seek the Lord and pray. And the answer that we got was, wait. And so we waited. And so fast forward from then in the mid-80s to 2009, on Father's Day, I'm speaking in a very large church, and we don't know her, how he prayed for me when Sherry and I, what, we, what was going on, that as soon as she could, she started a big sister on the phone and said, I got to tell you about these things. And her big sister said, well, 
tell me this guy's name. And she said, well, his name's Jimmy Bratcher. And she heard the phone drop. And when she picked it up, her big sister said. Well, she thought I threw it after the conversation was over. But I asked her, I said, do you know who that man is to me? And she said, no. And I said, well, he's my dad. So what she didn't know is I knew three things. I knew that he had long curly hair. I knew that he played the guitar. And I knew that his name was Jimmy Bratcher. And I didn't know anything else. So my sister's in this service, and she hears the story and hears the message and all this stuff, and so she begins what I can only call a divine intervention, where she starts pushing my mother and asking for her to open up the door. And she did. So a year and a half later on... uh February 13th, Sherry and I were in Christiana, Pennsylvania. We were just there last month. And I was speaking, I was getting ready to speak for the ninth time that weekend. And this was the last time I was going to speak. And I'm in the green room at the church having a cup of coffee. And I hear this voice inside of my heart. And the voice says, I'm about to change your life. And so I start to think, you know, oh, well, okay. Maybe I'll quit traveling and like get a real job. Uh, but you know, we can never, we always sell it so short when it comes to God's ability to do things in our lives. And I had no idea how completely he was going to transform my life and my family. And, uh, and so we, I preached the last time we left the service and got in the most uncomfortable car I've ever been in in my life. It was a Honda Element. It had like suicide doors in the back and we're like trapped in this thing. And I get an email from Jessica's mother who I haven't heard from since 1971. And the email says, it's overdue that you should meet your daughter and your grandsons. Her name's Jessica, and you can look her up on Facebook, and she doesn't know about you yet. So 2009 Father's Day service, my sister tells me, starts talking to my mom, I am maybe a year and a half into walking with the Lord. Like before that, I knew who Jesus was, and he was always my savior, but I didn't walk with Jesus. So shortly before that, I had decided that I was serious about Jesus and invited him into my world. And if you've ever done that, you know that that can be an earth-shattering thing when you first start going, okay, we're going to do some different stuff. In the process of that and in my life, I had had two men who had stood for me as my father, my earthly father, in his absence. One was my grandfather, and he was fastly approaching 90. And my father-in-law, who shortly after that service was diagnosed with COPD and was dying. And so I'm sitting in a hospice room, and I'm having one of those loud moments with God where you don't say a word necessarily out loud, but your heart is screaming. How dare you? I said, who do you think you are? What kind of God are you? That you would take the only man who has ever been a father to me, the only ones who have ever stepped into the gap. How dare you? Who's going to be my daddy now? Who's going to fill that space? But you know, God answers prayers. Because a year, almost to the day later, I got a Facebook friends request from Jimmy Bratcher. And that began one of the most miraculous experiences of my life. I didn't answer him. For weeks. It was only three. 
It was an eternity. But I didn't answer him because as I had told a friend in middle school, junior high school back then, what would you do if you met your dad? I would punch him in his face and walk away. A year prior to that friend's request, what would you do if you met your dad? My sister's asking, nothing. He's never had anything to do with me. He's never been around. Why would I waste my time? Why would I waste my energy and effort on someone who clearly does not care about me? Why would I expose my kids to that? Why would I expose myself to that? But God. So I do what any of you would probably do, and I called the pastor. I called my best friend, who is also a pastor. Gosh, I'm surrounded by pastors. <laughs> and, and started asking, what do, you, what do I do? Well, what's the Lord saying? I don't know, and I don't want to ask. Because what he's saying is, do you trust me? From the moment I prayed that prayer in that hospice room until I got that friend's request, do you trust me? And it's not, do you trust me with this? Do you trust me with your heart? Do you trust me with all, all the daddy things that you've locked away and you don't want to deal with? And the answer at first was absolutely not. And then it was, well, maybe. And then the more I leaned in and the more that I listened, the more that it was, yeah. I may not trust him, but I trust him. First and foremost and above all. And so I said yes. And so sitting in a hotel room with my husband, when we were traveling for work, we're sitting in Virginia Beach, looking out at the water, I wrote an email. It's probably one of the most important things I've ever done in my life. And I said, the woman in me wants to know where, you are, where you've been and why now. But the little girl in me wants to run with arms wide open. Because you know, I dealt with my emotions about you a long time ago. I knew you'd never see me dance. You'd never see me graduate. You'd never walk me down the aisle. I put all those things in a box, locked them up in my heart. And I closed it saying, that it's not unwelcome that you're here. But thanks for showing up, or something like that. That's pretty close. <clears throat> and when I read those words, thanks for showing up, I knew that God was speaking to me because when people ask Sherry and I to describe what we do, I always say, well, I have the ministry of showing up. And so do you. You know, the equation is Christ in us. Where we go, he goes, and where he goes, stuff happens. Not very theologically, you know, worded, but but that's how it is. But I got that email. The band and I were at Daytona doing concerts at Bike Week, and we were staying with this old biker dude named Drifter in a house with no furniture. We had to buy air mattresses. And and I got that email request, or her email, and I... Uh, I started writing. It took me five hours to write an email. By the way, we have a book that we've written titled The Little Girl Wins, and every email and text that we exchanged before we actually met is in this book. But um, Unedited. Well, the they're edited because my grammar, you know, my spelling is a high school dropout's not the greatest, you know, kind of thing. But uh, it took me five hours to draft an email, and when I did, I, I ended it by saying I wanted to talk to that little girl. And I just concluded it by saying, I hope, Jessica, 
that the little girl wins. In this conflict, in this decision, I hope she's the one that has the voice. And, uh, and so I responded to her email, uh, and that, was, that took, like, from then on, it was a full-time job. We communicated texts and emails and, and never talked on the phone. And it ended that week, which was the uh, week of March 7th, 2011. Uh, and at the end of the week, I told her, I said, you know, we're, we're on the East Coast, and if you'd like to meet, all you have to do is just name a place. Jessica and her husband, Leroy, live outside of Washington, D.C. And so she said, okay, on the 14th, which was a Monday, we'll meet in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we'll go to this restaurant, which happened to be the loudest restaurant in Virginia, and, and we'll meet. And so we pull into the parking lot, and here they are standing by one of the biggest pickup trucks I've ever seen in my life, and her and Leroy. And let me tell you about Leroy. So their last name is Strong. So it's First Sergeant Leroy Strong, retired Marine Corps Drill Instructor of the Year. And I look at him and I'm like, he's packing <laughs> for sure. And I had already made up my mind because I hadn't heard her voice. And those of you that are parents know how important those first words are. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to speak until she spoke. And uh, we pulled in and, uh, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And we walk up and... And it's like I'm looking in a mirror. So they pull up in the White Pearl. Do y'all know the White Pearl? No. It is the hippie van. It was the band van. Yeah. So it's this old white Dodge Ram van with the cracked windshield. And it looks like, like if you park this in a Walmart parking lot, none of us women are going within 500 yards of it because it looks like that van. <laughs> and they pull around the corner and I'm going... They're hippies. <laughs> They're really hippies. He said they were hippies. I didn't think they were hippies. Oh boy. But I also struggled in a minute as they pulled up because that angry little girl wanted to beat him up. I wanted to reach into myself and pull out all the anger the abandonment. All the times when I was the odd one out watching some little girl's daddy kiss her goodnight, knowing that I would never have that. And I wanted him to feel all of that. And I reached back into my heart and God said, um, you gave that up. You said you trusted me. You said you trusted me with your heart. All of that was gone no matter how hard I searched myself, it wasn't there anymore. Miraculously, 38, almost 39 years of pain vanished because Jesus said, you're healed. And so they pull up out of the van and they get out and I'm going, well, I always thought I looked like my mama. I guess that was wrong. <laughs> And dad has this way of saying hi. I don't know if you, you all know him. He doesn't ever say hi. He doesn't say hello. He doesn't say any of that. He looks at you and he goes, hey. Right? Right. So they get out of the van. He comes walking up. They're not saying anything, which was really awkward. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I go, hey. I'm a hugger. And I threw my arms around him. We threw our arms around each other. And we just wept. And finally, Sherry goes, you know, we have reservations at this restaurant. <laughs> Maybe y'all should, we should go inside. And we did. And, and Sherry had, uh, on the way there, Sherry said something that, uh, was amazing, and uh, she looked, we were talking, and she said, you know, we have a great life, 
We have a great marriage. We have a great family. But something's always been missing. And Jessica and Leroy and their four boys are it. And because of my daughter Amanda at the time was our personal assistant and had access to our, to our emails, we had to call the kids and tell them. Well, I wanted to tell them in person. And uh, Amanda, without knowing what her mom had said, said exactly the same thing. Something's always been missing. This is it. And uh, so as we sat there in the restaurant, I had a cousin, I have a cousin that had met a son that he didn't know, and so I called him and asked him, I said, what do I do, you know? And he said, well, you, it's all on their terms. You just take what they give you and that's all you get. And I'm a strategy guy. And so I need a plan. And I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do I do? What's the plan here? What do I do? And he said what only, you know, is reflective to his character and nature. He said, love her. And I said, okay, I can do that. But we were sitting there in the restaurant and I reached, I just, I told Jessica, I said, you know, I'm not, we're not going to, we don't need anything from you. We don't, we're not going to demand anything from you. Sherry said, she goes, we're just glad that you've taken the time to make a place for us now in your life. We're not knowing what the future holds. And so I reached, I told Jessica, I said, you know, I'm not going to demand anything from you, but sometime I would like to ask you to grant this request. And that request is that you would forgive me. So the beautiful thing about allowing God to forgive us is that we can extend forgiveness to others. Because in that moment, I was able to reach across the table and take his hand and say, we can't change the past, but you're here now, and we're cool. And so we started from there. We talked for probably, I don't know, three or four hours that night. Leroy came up with the idea. It's like, let's go someplace where it's quiet. So hold on a second. So Leroy Marine, right, drill instructor of the year, first sergeant of Marines. Security is always the thing, right? He knows where every exit is. He never sits with his back to the door like that kind of, that's the guy he is. That's just the way he's wired from small child all the way up through his whole life. And he says, hey, let's go find somewhere more quiet away from people. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's talking, he's super introverted. And he's talking and talking and talking. And he's like, we should go talk some more. And he pours out his life to us, unreserved. Without hesitation. So we talk until wee hours. We're exhausted. We're crying. We're exhausted. Not me. I'm like this guy. You're I don't a cry ever baby. cry. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, don't you believe it? He's a crybaby. So we. We go back to where Leroy's staying, because at that time he's working in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we're not living there, so he's there during the week, and so we've gone there, and he says, you know, you should at least take him to lunch tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah, the next morning we wake up and we were leaving. We were getting in the White Pearl and heading to Kansas City, and uh, Sherry says, we, we can't leave. We have to wait. And uh, I said, okay. She says, this can't be a one and done thing. You know, it's not like, okay, we met, now goodbye. It, it, it's got to be more than that. And so I said, all right, we'll just wait. And in a few minutes, I get an email from Jessica saying, can we do lunch? And we're like, yeah. So we go to Leroy's favorite place in Charlottesville. And we're having lunch and we're talking and I'm crying. And uh, we're all crying. And finally, I said, you know, sometime I'd like to meet the boys. We'd like to meet the kids, you know. And uh, Leroy goes, well, why don't you just follow Jessica home? He's not going to be there. 
He goes, why don't you just follow her home, get a hotel, and meet the boys? And so that's what we did. And we pulled, you know, so where are we going to meet? And Jessica says, well, the boys have youth group, so let's just meet at the church where we go to church. And so we pull into the parking lot, and um, Jacob, who's the youngest, I think he's like 11 or something at the time, and uh, him and Sherry are instantly connected. It's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we go into church and they're having a prayer meeting and they're in trouble because they're cutting up laughing and carrying on. And uh, But I walk in to meet Aaron, who is Jessica's oldest, my oldest biological grandchild. And I walk through the doors of the church and she points to the stage and says, there he is. And he's on stage playing guitar. You can't make stuff like that up. But uh, but we met the boys and went back to Jessica's house and visited with the other boys. And uh, she says, you know, you have to come back tomorrow night and you have to sit at my table. I think she actually said you have to put your knees under my table and have dinner because that's what family does. And uh, it was an amazing time. Our first church service together was Easter Sunday, 2011, just a few weeks after we met. And uh, we were, you know, I mean, if you can imagine a house with a Marine and four boys, what it's like. And that was the thing that amazed me. For the dinner that we had, it's like everybody filled their plates. Nobody touched any food until everybody was seated at the table. And thanks were given for the food. And then when the meal was over, this was like I was going, what the heck is going on? The boys stand up, clear the table, clean the kitchen, do all the dishes and put everything away. And I'm like, what kind of place is this? It's like it's miracles a happening I'm here, the you boss. know. <laughs> and uh, but uh, our first church service together was Easter Sunday and we went out to DC and and I'm getting, we're, everybody's getting ready for church, and Jessica brings me a present. And it's a coffee mug with daddy names all over it, full of her favorite candy bar, which Zero. is not a, not a popular candy bar, Zero candy bars, Zero candy bars, which she had no way of knowing it was my favorite candy bar. And uh, we're talking, and she reaches up and puts her hands on my face, and she describes our relationship. It's like you were always here. It's like you're always here. And that's what our relationship has been like. There's no void. I lived with regret for a few months until Jessica and the kids slapped it out of me. They confronted me and said, you know, you're living in guilt and shame about this. And I said, no, I know what that is, and I'm not going there. But I said, you just have to give me regret. And they said, we're not going to live that way, and we don't expect you to live that way either. And so I had to let it go. And so my tears are not tears of regret. They're tears of thanks. Because God was so gracious that he would reach into my past and redeem one of my biggest mistakes in life. And so we share our story in knowing that not everyone's story turns out like ours. But we share our story because we discovered very quickly that there are so many people that have a similar story or a similar disconnect in the relationship. And fear keeps us separated and bound. Our own selfishness, our own ego, or whatever it is that keeps us bound. And so many people just allow that to continue in their life without ever stopping and confronting it and saying, is this real or what's the cause of this or how does this work? And we wanted to come and share that with you, our story with you, to show you the reality of the power of God in our relationships and that he's not afraid to jump into the middle of the chaos and to make something beautiful come out of that. You know, when we invite God into our heart, 
he gives us all these gifts, right? He gives us redeemed and restored and renewed and, and so many things, our identity, it, it totally changes the moment we say yes to Jesus, right? And so in this story and in your story, God chose to offer me freedom. He chose to change abandoned and orphaned to a daughter, to a sister, to a daughter, right? And I had the opportunity to choose whether or not I was going to walk into that, whether I was going to hold on to being abandoned or neglected or forgotten or overlooked or unwanted or unloved or unlovable. The list of all the things that I was carrying because of this one broken relationship was changed in an instant the moment I invited Jesus to say, I have something more. And he invited me to trust him. And the moment I said yes to that, all those things, they're gone. I'm no longer an orphan. I'm no longer unwanted, unloved, unwelcomed. I'm no longer the outcast. I'm a member of the family. I'm accepted and I'm loved. Jesus did that. He did it for all of us. That's right. We have a passage of scripture that we'd like to show, if, if that's possible. This is from Psalm 68.6, and it says, God sets the solitary in families. Some translation says the lonely. God places the lonely in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious live in a dry land. You know, God's intention is is that we know that not everyone has this conclusion to their story, but he still is intent on placing those that are lonely, those that are orphaned, those that are outcast into a family. And it might not be that reconciliation looks like this for you. Maybe you're Jessica and you're looking for that father, then you don't have to look solely to your biological father for those things. Some of you actually need to rise up and be a father to someone that's orphaned or someone that's lonely. And you need to include those people into your life. You need to welcome those people into your family. And part of the reason why mine and Sherry's family was so receptive to, you know, I told you what Amanda said. Well, our son Jason, who always assumed he was the oldest child, the minute he found out about this, he adopted middle child syndrome and said, that's the way I'm, that's why I'm this way, you know? And Jason said, you know, I heard all those crazy stories about mom and dad. He said, I'm just surprised this hadn't happened before now. But, but we can be families for people that don't have families. But, it, but in your hope, I mean, if you do have the, a relationship that's broken like ours was, then, you know, our, our request in this service is to ask you to do something. Now, what? We don't know. That's going to be between you and the voice of God. It might be like it was in the 80s with Jessica where God said, no, I want you to wait. Now, you know, that's hard for me to handle, but that's what he said. For some of you, it might be wait. For some of you, it might be um, do some research. For some of you, it might be make the call, just get yourself out there, believe that God's going to do something in your relationships. But in any case, know that his will for your life is that he's going to put you in a family, and, he's, and you might be that family. You know, one of the best advice that I've ever received in my life was when I was about 46 years old and I had just resigned a position at a big church and I was trying to figure out how I connect. And one of my friends said, you know, maybe it's time you quit looking for a father and start being one. And, uh, and that hit my heart and I knew what he was talking about. But his intent is that he wants to place you and enlarge you to the place where you can receive family. But part of, I, I'm back to my point. I was having a senior moment there trying to figure out why I was saying what I was saying. But part of the preparation for our family is, is that my parents, we always had 
people that weren't part of our family in our home. And it, was, it wasn't like they were visiting. It's like, it's wide open. You need a place to stay, whatever. We're, you're, you know, you're welcome here. And as people of kingdom people, we should have that. You know, we're so relationally dysfunctioned and abused. And in reality, we need to be those people that stop that and really become the example of what a family is really like. And uh, so anyway, so I wanted to encourage you with that. And for some of us, I think in the process of deciding what you're going to do with those broken relationships and those wounds in your heart, just sit at the feet of Jesus. He invites you to just sit and be with him. I love the song this morning, You Love My Presence. Because, wow, Jesus loves when we sit at his feet and just soak up all that he has for us, start there before you do anything. Because he'll tell you what to do. He will lead you. He will show you. He will light the path. The choice is yours. So as we conclude tonight, I will do some music. So I'd like to invite you to come back. And we'll drill deeper into this. We'll take questions. You can ask us any question you want as long as you understand that I think I don't know is an answer. Um, and, and drill into it because, you know, it's important uh, for us to, you know, normally when we do church services like this, I mean, you can read about this in the book, but um, it's important that you see the entirety of, of our relationship. And part of what that means is Sherry's reaction to all of this. It would have been very easy for her to say, no, we're not going there. I mean, we have people that we know in our life that have a similar story as ours where the husband has a, has a child and he's, he's verbally stated, I can't tell my wife because she'll divorce me. And so they stay separated because of those things. And so tonight we'll drill into some more of those things. And I want Sherry to share a little bit about her role in this situation and how she feels about Jessica and the boys and all this just completely upending our, our family. You know, my biggest fear when all this started to happen, I had to pray and get in faith about it, was, God, how do I afford Christmas presents for all these kids, you know? It's like, oh, what the heck? And so we came up with a new rule. You graduate high school, you're on your own. You know, it's like, but, uh, but so tonight we'll, we'll, we'll do some music and we'll share just some more details in those things. But for those of you that are here that have issues in your relationship, God's the God relationship. The last prophecy of the Old Testament is I'll turn the hearts of the fathers towards the sons and the sons towards the fathers. And we believe that that's what God is doing right now in our culture. He's waking us to be those people that create those relationships. Because at the end of the day, when it's time, you know, to leave this earth, who's, who's there going to be there with you? It's going to be your family. And it's so important. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, that you call us out of abandonment, that you call us out of, of loneliness, and that you place us in a place that's rich and flowing, that you not only place us there, Lord, but you give us the power of the Holy Spirit to function in our relationships. And Lord, we just surrender this time to you, Lord, and we ask you that, Lord, all those here that have, have a breach, that have a disconnect, Lord, that you would begin to, to just untie those knots and cause them to see clearly the path that you're directing them to. Lord, we surrender that. You want praise, sweetheart? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence, for the relationship. Lord, we just thank you for all who are seeking you and listening to your voice. Lord, as they walk into and through and out of relational dysfunction, Lord, I just thank you in advance for the miraculous, 
for the kisses from heaven, for those moments that, those winks that you give us to let us know that you are good and only good, that you are the restorer, the redeemer, that what the locusts have eaten, you are going to bring back. Oh, gosh. God, I just... Ephesians comes to mind that you are the God who is going to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because you love us. And as we walk in faith and walk beside those who are walking through these situations, Lord, let us be your people of love and wisdom. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. Man. Thank you so much, guys. Show, just show them a little bit of love. Appreciate them for telling the story. Y'all, y'all can stay here for just a minute. Just stay here. But we want to be a blessing to them, you know. That means we want to give them a, a big old fat check. Say, big old fat check. That's just how we talk about money around here. Yeah. I don't want to over-spiritualize it. You remember the old days? It's like, if you give, then you get the same reward that I get. And it's like trying to market your way into offerings and all this stuff. It's like, that may or may not be true. I don't know. But... But I believe in being generous, and they've got work to do. You, you know, the stories like this need to be out there. Amen? Yeah. So so I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to put a slide up there of the ways to give, and those of you guys that are watching online as well, uh, be sure to give into this and be generous, and we want to make sure that we send them out um, before you. And so they've got a, a book. I started to say book and tape table. I, don't even, I didn't even work tape tables. I just... I think it's all listening you just to all stole. those old. Yeah, you just yeah. stole. Anyway, th- there's books back there. There's CDs back there. And I'll say this. Let's just sell them out, you know? Even if you have one, buy one and give it away, especially yeah. this story, the the little girl wins. They brought most uh, the, more of those than anything else. I'm sure everybody knows somebody that could use that. Let's just be a blessing to them. Everybody buy at least one thing. Let's sell them out. But then come back tonight. And, and we'll dig in a little bit more. I'm, I'm excited for the music. You know, everybody always expects the music, so yeah. go ahead. 5 o'clock, by the way. 5 p.m., yeah. So, we did, we're doing it earlier than normal, so 5 o'clock, and we got full child care. Okay, good. Well, one of the things I wanted to bring up is that um, Mother's Day weekend, uh, Jessica and Sherry and I will be in Topeka, Kansas, at the Correctional Institute for Women, that's there. There's 500 women, and uh, we will share our story, and we will give each one of those women one of our books. So it's not just that they hear the story and are inspired by that, but then we will leave that with them. So that's about a four. That's about a four thousand dollar ticket to print those books, and uh, and that's our, you know, that's what we do. We've been doing that since COVID started. We've sent our books all over America into prisons several thousands of them. And uh, I, in fact, when I was in death row the other day, one of the inmates came to the door with our granny paid for the divorce book and said, I'm reading this right now. So just know that's coming up. And uh, we just appreciate you all. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And we'll, we'll see you this evening. And you, you hooked me up with Mark, the guy that you're Mark doing Mason. that with. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we were able to actually send hundreds of copies of Devil Walk, several different mailings to get right. that into those prisons. And yep. we've heard some testimonies out of that as well. So absolutely, just partnering together to touch people in prisons and, and death row. I, mean, I, I wish there were time to go through some of these stories of, of being in prison. But uh, do, you, do you tell some of those stories on your YouTube channel? No. You should. You should pop those on there more often. Uh, yeah, I need to probably just do a whole thing. Uh, just telling stories. Yeah. 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 Cool. And you got, oh, you got a new CD coming out. Yeah, I have a new CD out. Um, pro- hopefully, I'm not sure exactly when, but hopefully in April. And uh, I've actually written a book that the CD is uh, is uh, together with. So it's like, you you know, you have to buy, to buy you know, CDs. CDs are making a comeback. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> there was more sold last year than in, in than since 2004. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, and so anyway, so and the reason the reason we're doing it that way is that when streaming came on the scene, we lost one third of our income, and so Spotify pays us a thirtieth of a cent 
per stream. YouTube pays one six hundredth of a cent for a view on that. So we're trying to package these together with the book, which was a great ministry tool, and send that out. The CD's called Far Enough. Uh, the catch line is how far can God's mercy reach? Far enough. <laughs> So be back tonight at five. We'll pray for them. Father, we thank you for this ministry, <clears throat> for this family. We give you all the praise and the glory for this restoration. And I want to I want to hear more from uh, Jessica because I feel like she's the rock star in the situation here, where she um, had to do some of that inner work. And I know that you're a heart physics coach, and we'll have some good insights tonight. How many of you have questions? You feel like you already have some questions, maybe one. I know there's more than that. I have some questions. So, Father, we just thank you. you. Just stand up on your feet with me, if you would. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. I uh, thank you that, that uh, we can come in and talk about the Word and know your Word and put the seeds of the Word in your heart, but we also can talk like a family. We can hear stories of our past and stories of our future and, and be encouraged and be given hope. You know, and, and that's what I pray that we walk out of here with today is hope that even if all of our relationships are okay, we can be a blessing to other people because there's a world full of broken relationships out there. And we carry the answer, and that is the living God on the inside of us. May we minister forgiveness. May we minister in the, re uh, the ministry of reconciliation to be a blessing to people. Father, I speak blessing, abundant blessing, exceedingly abundant blessing over every single person in this place, that you are our provider. You give us the power to get wealth so that we would be blessed to be a blessing. I thank you that generosity rises up in the hearts of everybody in this room, everybody watching and listening, to be just a blessing, to show the world this is what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. More than enough, more than enough, more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.